Welcome to the WellStack Podcast. I'm your host, Shannon Rossick, the director of WellStack Content and Solutions. In this episode, it's all about the TAMP, specifically how a modern TAMP can help RAAs who are seeking balance between evolving high-tech solutions with high-touch advisory services. I'm joined by Colin Falls, president of GOL for a Deeper Dive. Colin, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm thrilled to be talking with you. Uh, likewise, Shannon, really appreciate you having me on and looking forward to the conversation today. I I swear, we, there's no way we haven't crossed paths at some industry event over the years. I'm a little disappointed. This is our first formal conversation. I, I know it is. It's interesting, even connecting on LinkedIn and seeing all the mutual connections and, you know, the same conferences. Uh, it's it's embarrassing that we have to do this virtually, but at some point we'll get together in person. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, Colin, you know what's coming first, segment one, stats all, folks. So I want to throw out the number 390%. It's a big one, but GeoWealth was ranked as the second fastest growing TAMP in America, 390% since 2020. So congratulations. And despite all the shocks to the system lately, when it comes to you know market volatility, seems like TAMPs are still moving in the right direction. Yeah, and I don't I don't see that changing anytime soon. I think that there's, you know, if you look at the the macro tailwinds over the last decade, the, the market certainly got larger. The independent space has, has expanded. It's the first time since we've been in existence that there's been, you know, headwinds in the last kind of 12 to 12 to 18 months with the macro environment. But I, I think the reality is that there there's a need for TAMPs, there's a need for infrastructure and technology partners. And so it's less about, we'll call it market dynamics and and growing with the market. And it's more about client acquisition. And so from a TAMP perspective, you know, you always would prefer a tailwind, but I don't think even with a kind of an uncertain macro environment over the next kind of, you know, call 12 to 24 months, I don't think it's going to change kind of the trajectory of TAMPs taking market share just because there's such a need uh, in the independent channel. And I want to throw another stat at you. Nice round number, 100%. Um, a recent industry survey reported that 100% of advisors who have broken away from a broker-dealer wirehouse are happier to be independent and would do it all again. And so what have you learned from exclusively focusing on the RAA market compared to, say, the BD space? Yeah, so I, I, that statistic doesn't surprise me, right? Anytime there's 100%, it, it is it is overwhelming. But I think that um, the reason that advisors leave, um, you know, the wirehouse or broker dealer channel for independence is because they want choice, and they're you know you know deep down they're entrepreneurs. They want to hang their own shingle and have their own identity. And I think that you know, the natural bureaucracy that exists in some of those large organizations, they just get fed up with. And so once they become independent, I think they realize that there's freedoms and and opportunities that exist with that. I think the flip side of it, though, is uh, once you're independent for a few years, you have to start, you know, there's so many options, there's so many technologies available, there's so many investment management providers and solutions, and you're constantly trying to evolve and I think at, at times that that independent advisor that's recently left, you know, one of the captive channels gets overwhelmed. And so I think that there's a, a an identity thing that that ha- that comes a couple of years typically after they're out in, in independent. And it's really a focus on like what do they want to be as an organization? Like what are their core values? Um, where do they see you know their value prop? And because you know the 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 kind of the openness and the opportunity in the independent space. Uh, can sometimes be too vast. And so I think that that's um, is, is happy as I think advisors are once they are independent. I think that there's some soul searching of, okay, once you're out, what, what are the next you know 10 years look like? 
Absolutely. And GeoWealth has been a player in the space for a while. And it's really, I would say the last five, six years, we've seen all your hard work truly come to fruition. You know, I heard you say before that, you know, for almost six years, it was basically head down R&D, work on the tech in-house. Walk me through GeoWealth's origin story for folks that don't know. Yeah, well, one, I, I like that you say we're a player in the space because we, we, you know, we, we don't feel that way. You know, you never really feel like you've arrived and it's, it's constant kind of, you know, pushing yourselves to make sure you're relevant and, and capturing market share. And I think that, you know, even saying that's a reflection of how far we've come in a, in a short period of time. But I think to your point, you know, we've been around over a decade and you have to be patient to build what we've built. And I think, you know, going back to our origin story, we launched in, in about 2010. For the first six years, we were heads down. We had one firm that was actually captive that we helped grow from a hundred-ish million to a couple billion. And along the way, um, in that six-year span with just them as a client, we were able to really focus on product, 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 product versus trying to commercialize the business. And you know, there's good and bad in that, right? The good is that you could be really methodical about what you've built. I think the challenges are you still are limited to a more narrow set, even though that firm went from a hundred million to a couple billion and one or you know one group of advisors to a handful you know there's nothing like being out truly independent going after you know arms length clients and and having to serve their needs that that's not captive and so i do think you know our history is interesting i think it's reflective of a high barrier to entry in the space if if you look across you know and there's been a lot of technologies that have come come around in the last kind of 5 to 10 years there's been f- very few new portfolio accounting portfolio management softwares uh, that have really built everything from the ground up, from the portfolio accounting to the reporting and billing and trading. Uh, and the reason is it's hard and there is a barrier to entry to to do that. And so I think that's kind of reflective of our past that it it took us a decade to really become a player, as you said. Well, the patience was absolutely worth it. And um, more from my knowledge, because I'm curious, I would love to hear your story too and how you ultimately ended up at GeoWealth and why this space? Yeah, it always it always sounds good when you reflect on it, but there was really no rhyme or reason to it. Um, I you know I graduated from college in in two thousand seven. I uh, played basketball at Notre Dame. Uh, I was kind of just trying to figure out what was next in my life, and I knew I wanted to continue playing basketball for a few years. So I went to Europe for two and a half, three years, and and kind of halfway through that, just did a temperature check on you know what do I want to do with my life and. Um, that happened to be like 2008. So the economy wasn't great in terms of what the opportunities were. Um, so I went back and played for another year uh, in Europe as I kind of just kind of continued to evaluate what what was next. And, you know, my uh, GeoWall is actually owned by uh, my in-laws family office. And so they were starting a new concept um, at the time that was GeoWealth. And they, you know, they said, you want to go learn something? I think I was 25 years old. And I raised my hand, ro- rolled my sleeves up, moved to Kansas City. And uh, you know, kind of the rest is history. All right. Well, you mentioned Kansas City, not to, you know, to go off on a tangent, but I am a huge <laughs> Chiefs fan. So I'm very much looking forward to the Super Bowl. <laughs> we we have uh, Kansas roots, right? So our, our primary owner is a, a family office from Wichita, Kansas, uh, because when we launched the business, it started in Kansas City. Before we moved to Chicago, our chief operating officer is from Kansas City, still lives there. And we have a handful of employees that are diehard KU fans and Chiefs fans. So uh, the next week is is a lot of fun here in the office. <laughs> I can imagine. All right. So back to the topic at hand. 
I'm curious because you've said before that you're, you've brought this hybrid approach to the RA marketplace of being a, a SaaS and a, it's a SaaS and TAMP model, essentially. So what are the opportunities and potentially challenges you've had to navigate around that approach? Yeah, I think the biggest challenge is just getting um, the RA market in, you know, specifically to understand what a new age TAMP is, right? And I think if if you look at the history, you know, when I got involved in the space, there were kind of two paths. There was RAs and uh, RAs were primarily dominated by the, the SaaS platforms that have come evolved and, you know, have gotten, you know, scaled tremendously kind of the last decade. And then you had the broker-dealer space and the broker-dealer space was primarily served by TAMPs uh, when you thought about technology. And so there really was a fork in terms of what RAs utilized and what they thought about as technology and disruption versus broker-dealers. And so our view, and I, and I think it continues to evolve, is, was to build one integrated platform for RAs. And we didn't consider ourselves really pure TAMP or pure SaaS. I think we've had to get better at how we communicate that to the market and so advisors understand what we do. But, you know, the, the big picture here is that there's there's real, uh, you know, kind of efficiencies in both models, right? You know, software as a service and what that's done in terms of client engagement and uh, you know user interface and workflow efficiencies has certainly changed the industries. But the the traditional TAMP model and the turnkey nature of how you invest in portfolios and trade and rebalance in a compliant manner, all of those add value for independent wealth advisors. I think that they've been siloed based on the channel. And so our view, and I guess our um, thesis is that in the RA channel, there is a need for a hybrid that that has you know, the, the modern, uh, you know, architecture uh, that, that the SaaS platforms have, you know, you know, provided, but still, you know, have, creates all the efficiencies that your traditional TAMP has. And so that, that's our, that's kind of our, our business model is to, you know, a, an enterprise software or a software focused TAMP uh, serving the RA channel. Well, GOL's growth has truly been remarkable. And you're quoted in an industry article saying to compete as a TAMP, you have to be a technology company and it has to be flexible. Explain being flexible or a word I love to use when describing technology is extensible. You know, yep. how are you planning to, I guess, quote unquote, out tech competitors like an Orion or SEI or even an asset mark? Yeah, I think there's a few words to go with that question. I think on the flexibility, um, RAs in general require it, right? They're, um, they've are they left the broker-dealer channel for freedom in terms of how they run their business. And I think one of the big reasons TAMPs haven't gotten you know much penetration in the RA channel historically is because they lack flexibility. Um, everything's based around broker-dealer compliant programs, you know, limited investment offerings, um, you know, things that, you know, uh, you know, we'll call it um, less flexibility in the economic model that could make sense for an RA. And so I think that just in general, even even not the technology, but the service model and the uh, business model needs to be flexible for RAs. And I think that that's lacked historically in the TAMP channel. Uh, and then, you know, back to tech forward, why you need to be tech forward. You know, there's there's been much conversation in our space about what's a TAMP and what's a product TAMP, what's a platform TAMP. Ultimately, our view is, and I think that this is is playing out, is that the technology layer of infrastructure is what creates the most value. That creates the flexibility, that creates the scalability, the efficiencies, um, which really is value. 
And what you layer on top of it with a TAMP is really just choice in, in, on the investment side. And so some do, groups do it as a more product focus where they're building the solutions. Some do it where they're building a marketplace and it's, you know, for the, the advisor to determine, um, you know, what, what managers make sense. Some do it where advisors could literally just build models from scratch themselves, you know, themselves. Our, our view on it is that why can't we be at all? And, and there's no reason to ever pigeonhole an advisor, you know, into um, an investment solutions or an invest program that they don't have interest in. And the, the real value in it from our, our perspective is that technolo the technology layer that provides all really the true value. And uh, so that's, that's how, you know, we've always approached things is, you know, what can we do from a technological standpoint to, you know, improve, you know, the advisor experience and client outcomes. And the product layer on top of that, we really, you know, the investment product layer, we're agnostic to. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like there is an argument to be made that a, a TAMP can be and maybe is much more powerful with a human advisor behind the wheel. So why should RIAs partner with outsource solutions for investment management? I'm not saying that advisors should outsource the actual investment management. I know it's not what you're trying to proclaim, but what's the argument there? Well, it goes back to what the identity is of the advisor. You know, most financial advisors uh, don't get into advisory because they want to run a back office or they want to trade. Um, and so you really have, you know, multiple, you know, and, and this is, you know, overgeneralizing, but you have advisors that are really bought into the financial planning process and you have advisors that are really brought into the investment management process and some that do both. And so I think, you know, most of it is about that, you know, understanding when you're talking to an advisor where they've really assigned their value and their identity. And then as we have come across advisors, if it's in the financial planning element, great, let us support you with technology, infrastructure services and investment management consulting if you want it. But if you don't, you, you know, you could pick your own solutions. And for that investment, you know, focus, investment management focused advisor, you know, great, let's let that advisor focus on what they do best, whether that's running a stock model, whether that's running, you know, asset allocation models. But I, I don't think most advisors view their value as, you know, selecting a tech stack and figuring out how to scale model portfolios and billing and trading. And so that's what a TAMP, you know, is, you know, primary role is, is to meet the advisor where they are and, and help them scale their business based on how they view their own identity. Well, I will say I love the ownership that GeoWealth has taken over the P in TAMP. So explain how being a true partner, as you call it, versus a platform has helped not only your growth, but the growth of your clients. Yeah, it's it, it's what we're seeing in the RA channel is that the RAs that are adopting TAPs, TAMPs are typically the fastest growing ones. And I know that's a generalization, but you know we see it. And the reason is that they're struggling to scale some of the SaaS technologies and so what they're looking for is because, you know, they've, they've been with all the big SaaS technologies and at some point they've, they've just struggled to scale it. And, and those are just naturally um, lighter on the client service. Like that's just, that is the SaaS model. And so what we could bring is, is a true partner, right? And being obsessive about client service and understanding that a lot of our competitors have gotten so large that they've done client segmentation programs over and over and over again. And most of who we serve in our market, call it from $100 million up to a few billion, is underserved by those, by those larger platforms. And so um, not just having a good product, but a commitment to client service, I think has really set us apart. Absolutely. I completely agree with that. So before we get to our next segment, I have one final question here. What's on the roadmap for GeoWealth? What trends 
are you going to be following closely that will ultimately drive business decisions over the next 18, 24 months? It's one of the hardest parts of my job is, <laughs> is determining priorities because there's so much noise and advisors, you know, are, you know, constantly asking for so much and, you know, you, you, you know, all the buzz terms we could, we could talk about, we don't need to today, but I think if I had to, you know, kind of synthesize it, it's, it's continuing to focus on what we do well, right? And that is the portfolio management system and everything around portfolio accounting and reporting and billing and model portfolios. And so we're going to continue to double down on that and make sure that um, we're creating capabilities to allow us to scale internally so we can offer the solution at a very competitive rate with, with um, compelling tools. And then thinking about you know areas on the fringes that we could add to that. And so Integrations are big. Uh, we just launched our first kind of big one with 55 IP on the tax side. And so I think that's the future is is having a roadmap that's, um, you know, really focused on our core competencies and then sprinkling in high value tactical integrations um, as, as we think, you know, are, are needed. Well, you say it's the hardest part of your job, but you certainly make it sound easy. <laughs> well, it's time now for segment two of this episode, Ask Us Anything. And we have gone out to the social universe and asked them to submit questions that they want answered by you, Colin. These sound so, like they might be hard. <laughs> these are the hardest questions okay, that we good. get for sure during no the podcast. No more softballs? Okay. <laughs> no more softballs. That is it from here on out. So uh, let's check out who's dropped into the DMs this week. Uh, we did have somebody reach out. This one isn't too hard, hopefully, but somebody did ask, what does the future of the TAMP industry look like in your opinion? Yeah, I think it's two words, uh, consolidation in, in technology. And I think that we've seen, you know, massive consolidation over the last 10 years, you know, even over the last few. And if you start looking around, there's fewer and fewer truly scaled um, TAMPs, you know, left. And I think, you know, the other part of that is technology. It's, you know, and this isn't a surprise if you look across the landscape, you've had, you know, technology companies acquire TAMPs and TAMPs acquire technologies with the idea of building a more integrated solution. But I think it really goes back to that infrastructure layer that if you own the technology, it, it creates enormous kind of optionality as, as you uh, continue to evolve as a business. And we've seen that with the larger, you know, technology and TAMPs in, the, in, in our space. And I think that, you know, the the smaller companies, you know, continue to get gobbled up. I don't see that changing. And I think that, you know, we're going to be left with a, a, a few very large companies in the space. And I think that we're well positioned to, to disrupt and challenge those. Absolutely. So another big topic, scale. We did have a question around that. Mm -hmm. And they asked, how does GeoWell support an RIA's growth in AUM and scale as they scale? Because generally firms need to hire additional traders or operations staff for you know every hundred million they add an AUM. Yeah, you're you're making our case. Um <laughs> I, it's it goes back to identity and where advisors see value. Um, I think that where TAMPs used to be priced, it was it was a challenge for advisors even to overcome that, even with hiring. And I think that as you know, the TAMPs have become more economically feasible and more competitive, it does become a cost calculation for a lot of advisors where they say, hey, we're going from 200 million to 500 million or a billion to $3 billion. And if they're doing it internally, they're, they're staring at you know, those SaaS technology fees, plus all the other, you, know, you have your portfolio accounting system, you have, you know, your financial planning, you have all the different technology components, and now your, you know, hu human capital continues to get more expensive. I don't, you know, the inflation and wage inflation story is, is very well known. And, 
Uh, I think that's affecting RAs. And I think in the last year for the first time, you know, you've seen you know, revenues have gone straight up for a decade. And, and, and when that didn't happen and revenues are down 10 to 20 percent, I think, you know, evaluating human, human capital and efficiencies and how they're using technology is really top of mind. So a final question for this segment, and I know we touched on a little bit before, but because every RAA, you know, is a snowflake, they're all unique. They all have different needs in terms of their technology. And, and like you said, in terms of their identity, but what do advisors really need in a TAM? Like what are those core efficiencies that they provide that they truly have to have? Yeah, I think at the base layer, you have to make sure that the portfolio accounting is flexible um, for, for how they run their business. And so that could be anything from, you know, UMAs or sub accounting or sleeving, those type of capabilities. Um, I think that's kind of check checkbox one. I think the second is on billing and reporting and making sure that, you know, those really are have become commodities and table stakes and making sure that the TAMP that they're using does meet those needs. And so once you get past kind of portfolio accounting and reporting and billing, then it goes to the tooling around model portfolios and uh, the flexibility around it, right? I think that's going to be a decision point for a lot of advisors. Are they running their own advisor managed programs? Are they using a third-party marketplace? Are they using, you know, a product TAMP to build their solutions? And what are their preferences around that? So I think once you're, you, you knock out the base layer of technology, it's more about do the investment programs and the you know the flexibility around the investment programs fit your fit your business model? Well, I appreciate you being put on the spot and your insightful <laughs> answer. So hopefully those weren't too too out there for you. But we have come to our final and my favorite segment of stack it or whack it, where I'm going to throw out a few technologies, not necessarily wealth tech related. Okay, and you tell me if they are essentially. Worth the hype or not? So you know, stack it. I've or already, whack, I, I already whack get, uh, I get the hardest time internally with most of our employees for uh, having, you know, being the least tech savvy in the company. So I'm excited for these. Oh, the irony. Yeah, <laughs> oh, that's great. So yeah, I know you mentioned it before, but it obviously doesn't take much research either to know that you played basketball at Notre Dame and went on to play in Italy and Eastern Europe, as you mentioned. And apparently you were a heck of a three-point shooter from what I came across. So <laughs> that's pretty awesome. I was point guard back in the day. Okay. So, <laughs> so I could certainly appreciate that that stat. Um, but I, the first tech I want to throw out, and I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's this new dribble up basketball, and it's this high quality kind of game ready basketball that unlocks virtual training sessions at home. So you can practice uh, on the app, stream it to your TV. You can work on your dribbling speed, your weak hand, things like that. And it's all application based. Stack I, <laughs> I have heard of it. So I have a, I have three boys, six, five and, and three. And so it's really interesting, you know, that the the resources that are available at, at such a young age, um, you know, now in, in sports. And I just remember when we were you know, a lifetime ago, we would just go play at, you know, the parish or whatever it was. And now they have, um, you know, uh, all, all different, sport, you know, uh, after school programs and travel programs starting very young. And we did get dribble up. So my wife, uh, when my oldest was three, I think maybe a little bit early, uh, it was a Christmas present, it was dribble up, and it was pretty cool. Now, I will say he's just started using it three years later. So uh, <laughs> jury's still out. I think I'm an advocate. I think uh, it, it's a good technology, but I, I think we uh, jumped the gun and probably bought that a little bit early. Oh, well, it's a long-term investment. <laughs> so so final final verdict is to stack it then? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, let's do it. Stack it. All right. Great. All right. Second one, complete opposite spectrum of what we were just talking about. but 
NPL, natural language processing. You know, we've seen the headlines that this subset of artificial intelligence is expected to generate billions of dollars in cost efficiency and hopefully better customer experiences. And we're starting to see it as, you know, financial engineers get their hands on it. But we're seeing the use case around being able to analyze, you know, mountains of structured and unstructured data within companies. And so now that, you know, we have access to it in in our industry, are, do you think we're ready to stack it or whack it yet? (laughs) I, 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 look, there's, there's definitely, you know, a stack of opportunity on this. I think that when you, you know, just, just with the idea around big data and and who, you know, who has access to the data and obviously the custodians probably as good a data as anyone, um, there is going to be insights that are brought and are continuously, you know, brought to our industry that disrupt and change. I think we're still early relative to some other sectors, um, but I would say I, I'm, I'm bullish on it, you know, intermediate term. I don't know if there's anything uh, with big data or AR that's going to change our industry in the next kind of 18 to 24 months. But I think if you took a five-year view on that, I think that I would say stack it. Well, thank you for indulging me in this segment. And <laughs> <laughs> like I said, it's it's my favorite one because you do learn a lot about people too. Sure. <laughs> these kind of yeah. questions. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> Well, Colin, it's been an absolute pleasure getting to know you and learning more about GeoWealth. So please feel free to tell listeners where they can find out more about GeoWealth and where you'll be and what you'll be up to next. Absolutely will do. Uh, so I appreciate having us on, Shannon. I think that um, you know we're, we're excited to get in front of the advisor community. We're doing more and more of it every day, whether it's through conferences or webinars or marketing or uh, just broad branding. So um, hopefully listeners will, will hear and see more of us in you know the coming year. Love it. And if you are looking to stay ahead of the technology status quo, be sure to follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter. Thank you all for listening today and have a good one.